I became just obsessed with finding the truth because I lived in illusion for so long. I was just absolutely in full flight from reality from the time I was, I don't know, eight or nine years old, just, just gone, you know? So once I kind of landed back on earth, it was like, oh, wow, I really want to know how to be a happy, fulfilled person. You're listening to the Almost 30 Podcast, a lifestyle podcast hosted by Krista Williams and Lindsay Simsek. Tune in for a new episode every Tuesday to hear our honest conversations about topics like wellness, entrepreneurship, spirituality, and self-development with guests who are really smart, really inspirational, and really fucking funny. (laughs) It's real, it's raw, and it's unfiltered. Inspired by our transition from our 20s to our 30s, we realize it's so much more than that. Our mission is to provide you with the tools, guidance, and motivation to help you navigate any transitions in your life and propel your personal growth. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Almost 30 Podcast. Here we go. I got to tighten the screws on these chairs. They're squeaking the crap out of me. Are they squeaking on the eps? Probs. Do you guys hear it? Can you hear those <laughs> squeaky squeaks? <laughs> I want to break it. Mm. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday, guys. How's uh, the week? TGIF? Tomorrow. Tomorrow? I've never heard that. TGIF? Yeah, no. Starting it. Um, Almost Friday, everyone. We. What are words that you want to die? I, I don't use lit. I'm not really oh, into yeah, it. Lit's a good one. But our producer Chloe uses it, so I'm going to let her use it. Yeah, yeah. I don't mind lit. I'm trying to think. When I hear it, I know. Yeah. Oh my god. We were at uh, this workout class, mm-hmm. and um, <laughs> the instructor was a dude, and he's like, "All right, everyone." I'm go time. And I was like, oh. What did he say? I'm go time? I'm go time. What does that mean? Like go time. Let's go time. I'm, I was like, I'm over it. I'm over it. And I was like a bitch Fuck. all class. I was like, what a loser. <laughs> then afterwards, like I was talking to my friends. Like, yeah, can you believe he said he's go time, blah, blah. And they're like, no, it's Israeli. It's go tin. Or it's like go tim. Oh, you're such a dickhead. Such a dickhead. <laughs> I was like, who is he thinking he can call himself go time? I'm like, we're not children. I literally was, I was telling my friends, I was like, we're not children. And they're like, that's not his name. I was like, oh, fuck, I'm such a dick. That's amazing. I know. <laughs> Hilarious. I was like, ugh. Blah, 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 blah. So funny. Pumped for this one. Pumped for I this cannot, one. I was belly laughing. Part two. I, Wait, was, can we, I was laughing hard. I think I cried. Can, can we paint the picture for like that night that we mm-hmm. recorded. So that was so fun. So this is um, part two of the Luke story interview, but actually it's like in a completely different location. So the first one was mm-hmm. in a studio. Second one, we were like, Luke, we need to have you on again. Cause like, we didn't talk about like half the stuff we wanted to talk about. Yeah. So we went to his place, mm-hmm. which is like stunning. Stunning. It's so shock. cool. Well, he was in fashion. Like he knows what's up. He like knows his what's up. his eye is just like so sharp. It's sexy. It's like I want to like his hang. apartment was stunning. Yeah. So, but we went on like a biohacking tour of mm-hmm. his apartment, so which fun. was amazing. We like 
he had the infrared sauna, he mm-hmm. had the biomat, he had the amp coil, mm-hmm. he had like these little things you clipped into your nose oh, and yeah. it like shot lasers to your brain. The light stuff, like the, the red light, light therapy. therapy, like the acupressure mats. We went and looked in his kitchen and all this stuff. It was like a dream. It was so fun. It was so fun. Yeah. We just have a blast with Luke's story. Mm-hmm. So in this episode, we get more into the biohacking. How he started a podcast, his journey with podcasting, his journey in the fashion world. We talk about receiving criticism and how to handle it, Mm. um, which was really fun and interesting. That was a good one. And if you want to connect with Luke, you can go to lukestory.com and follow him on Instagram, actually. I learned the most from his Instagram. He's constantly... Um, insta living and yeah. like like while he's, he's so doing some biohacking shit. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, it's mm-hmm. so cool. I like can't because then I buy stuff. I know everything he does. I'm like, okay, I'll buy that. Yep, it's real good. It's real good. So yeah, again, if you loved Tuesday's episode, here we go, uh-huh. part two. Enjoy. It's gonna be great. Love you. Whenever you're ready. Yeah. We're basically rolling from there. We use everything. Oh, yeah. yeah that's we don't, right. Yeah, huh? we don't cut anything. I remember last time I was like, yeah, so I was a crack addict. And, da, 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 and you guys are like, that's totally on the show. Yeah, we're like, perfect. Great. When people say they want us to remove stuff, we're like, okay. <laughs> like we do. Mm-hmm. But you know what? You know what? Sometimes like, I do. What do you remove? Sometimes I remove my really bad swear words. Oh yeah. Okay. What do you swear like, that's bad? People get offended. Like I get emails sometimes I where someone's too. like, we really love your show and we love that you keep it real, but we try to listen to it in the car and our eight-year-old's in there and it really sucks. Can you tone it down? Mm. I'm like, ah. But then I ask other people like, no man, do you. We love yeah. it. So I'm, I'm like. I actually feel the but same. I, but you're th- you're- I did a show the other day and the guest used the C word twice. Referring to his himself. Uh-huh. He wasn't like, yeah, that woman is such a C he word. He said, I'm a C yeah, word. Yeah, he was like, yeah, sometimes I can be such a C word. And then he said it again. And then I was like, yeah, mother F and C word. You went rogue. It got, yeah, it got, it went You're a like, little off. It's cool, I cussed too. It went a little <laughs> off the rails. And then, because, well, no, you know what it was? He said it. And then I was like, yeah, F people to get offended by the C word. Like, whatever. <laughs> it got all political and shit. <laughs> it was like... And, oh, and so when I listened back, it was just, do you ever listen back to your show and like wince? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Like, oh, it's I, a sharp word. It's mm-hmm. like, I don't get yeah. super offended, but it is a word where I'm like, ah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I really, I don't want to say never in my life, of course, because that would be a bold-faced lie, but <laughs> it's not a word that like comes to yeah. mind about a girl or about a woman anything. necessarily. Mm-mm. For me, it's a word I use when I stub my toe. Like yeah. that's the one that happens. <laughs> totally. You know? Like when I get something really bad, like tonight before you guys came I over, was going to ask about the plate. I just knocked it off with the, like the mic or something oh, when I was trying to set shut that. shut up. And I don't think I said the C word then, but that would be an instance where I would be like, yeah, mother effing C. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. I never But anyway, I, I cut. When did C come in our lives? I, I don't know. C was made up. <laughs> Like we were growing up, no one's had C. We didn't have C. I really? Did. You didn't oh, have you did? C. You oh, had yeah. C when you Take were little? Us back. Yeah. Well, I grew up in the 70s. <laughs> what was the first time you, you said know, the actually, word actually, you know, it's funny. My mom, uh, I was going to say God rest her soul, but she's alive. <laughs> my, my mom, God bless her, was so dope when I was a kid. She would let oh me, God. I could say any, any swear words that I wanted. And it was so sick because my friends would come over and I'd be like, what's this bullshit? <laughs> And my my friends would be like waiting for me to get grounded, and my mom would just be like do 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 doing the dishes, chilling, nothing. But there were there were a few words I couldn't say. I couldn't say the c word. Mm-hmm. I couldn't say 
the C word. Um, yeah, I think that was the, you well, say the, the F-word? C word. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. You couldn't call her a no, 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 not no. A B? No, no, no. Okay. But I mean, I could just say it in <laughs> to like a party con- trick. Converse- conversationally. <laughs> yeah. It was mm-hmm. instilled in me from an early age that hurting other people is not cool and that there are certain ways that you can refer to people that are just ignorant. And But I never said yeah. like the N-word. I mean, I was like, yeah. I knew that at age two. Like, yeah, that's not appropriate <laughs> yeah. Before you could speak. You know what I mean? But yeah, I was like, yeah. or, or like, obviously when you're a kid, you were feel like, oh, you fag or you homo. Yeah. Like that was not, yeah, no. that was totally out. And that's why I try to edit those on my show mm. sometimes because I'm just like, ah, oh, it's it's... It brings down the energy sometimes. And then like I got excited when I saw the Tony Robbins documentary because I was like, see, see, <laughs> totally. he says the F word. But he doesn't do it on recordings. Oh. Yeah, uh, if you listen to like his audiobooks or when he's interviewed on Oprah, yeah. they're not bleeping him out. He knows like when it's an appropriate venue and when he when he's trying to get someone's attention in one that. of his things, then he's yeah. like, boom, for impact. Yeah. But it's not his, the stuff that lives on after he's, Gone doesn't have that, so I was like, "Hmm, okay." So I'm I'm working on that on my show. It's really difficult though because I get excited. You know, Fra- Frank Zappa. I was always like Frank Zappa, school of Frank Zappa, on his like thought of like bad words. It's like, why do we say that one word is bad, one word is good? You can't contri- you can't attribute like a characteristic that we define by society to a word. You know, who says that fuck is a bad word? Why is fuck bad, and why is shop not bad? You know what I mean? It's like, totally it's very good. weird. Like, why do we say that these words are bad? Isn't that no, weird? I'm, total, yeah. I'm totally with you. Cause I got an email. I'm, I'm like, I get, how do you feel when you get, cause I, we've gotten those emails. Too. Yeah. No, I get a hundred positive emails. And then I get one that's like, Oh, Hey, I'm really offended when you do X, Y, Z. And like, I focus on the one. Same. It's just my mind is the negativity bias still. So I got one or two emails from disgruntled female listeners mm. that were like, you know, you're very heteronormative and you say things that's very offensive to women. And I'm like, really? Because I think 80% of my guests are women and I'm yeah. like worshiping their awesomeness. Literally. I yeah. say I'm like a pro-male podcast. But that's interesting. She said, yeah, when you use the word referring to women as chicks, it's very offensive. No, you're lying. No, I swear to God. And I was like, huh, I said, that's interesting. But I have an yeah, open mind. I'm like, all right. So I Googled the origins of like the use of the word chick. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, um, no, seriously. I, yeah. I, I, I want to know. What's the origin? The origin was like, um, uh, because little birds are really cute. So it's, it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's showing an, an affinity for a female because little yeah. chicks are cute, I guess, you know? And yeah. the other one is the P word. Because oftentimes um, I think... I don't know if I've used that word on my show, but that's when women are like, oh, that's so offensive. And so I looked that one up and that is in reference to not, because if you like call a guy, dude, don't be such a P word. Some women perceive that to be, you're like calling that guy a woman and therefore he's less than a man Mm -hmm. because he's equal to a woman. But actually where the term P U-S-S-Y comes from is because pussycats pussyfoot around and they're really scaredy. And Mm -hmm. so like if a guy calls another guy, a pussy, it's like calling him a pussy cat. You're not calling him a female human. Right. There's yeah. nothing to a do with that. Vagina. Yeah. The <laughs> vaginal aspect is a totally yeah. other totally. situation. It's like, so. how did, but why? Let's talk about where. <laughs> but I'm with you the on the Frank Zappa thing because in the, in the context of weird. now, there's like this thought police, cultural Marxism, crazy, you know, really yeah. weird thing that our culture's in at the moment. It's just the stage of evolution. So. I personally just try to not be politically correct, but I'm also, I think, a pretty conscious person. I also don't like to hurt people or offend people. That's not my mission. I want to be very inclusive, but 
sometimes you just can't win, you know? Like I had another, yeah. I had a podcast review in iTunes and it was like, again, 99% of them totally positive. And it said something to the effect of like, don't believe this, you know, fake spiritual stuff. This is the patriarchy 100%. And I was like, huh? Oh, <laughs> man. I'm like, I was raised by a single mother. Like I'm about as unpatriarchy as you can get, I think. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> and again, going back to my guests, I'm just like, really? Is my show, am I like a bro show no. where we're like, oh, all unconscious mm. dudes? And I look through my guest roster and I'm like, dope woman, dope woman, dope woman, guy, you know? Mm-hmm. And it just, it wasn't intentional that I did it that way. So yeah. I was like, I don't know. I guess if I'm the way I am and that's offensive to someone. I mean. And I'm like the patriarchy, then we, I don't know what to do. What do you had, do? We, we had... um the most recent love and respect if they're ever listening, but we had a picture of me and Lindsay. Love you guys, love your guys' stuff, but like if you could like please not drink plastic straws, you know, I, th- I think it'd be a really good message. It was like feedback on us drinking out of a plastic straw. Oh, because of plastic. And we get it. Like, Trash. I mean, we get it. Yeah. But it's also like, okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, you know, so much. I, I think there's always going to be talk and Mm -hmm. and people who have something to say. And I think that's okay. Mm -hmm. I I mean, here's my approach is just, of course, at first I I bristle with egotistical defensiveness. What what do you, uh," but then I look at it, like I Googled the words and I thought, well, am I being uh, unthoughtful Mm -hmm. or am I saying something that really means something else than I think it does or do other people perceive Mm -hmm. it that way? So I take criticism with an open mind or I try to once I my little ego settles down I go let me see if there's some truth to that everyone's one-upping each other to be more righteous which is like an egoic cultural sickness but I don't want to use that as an excuse to be an unconscious guy that's like being a dick and you know hurting people's feelings all the time Mm -hmm. so I don't know you got to find a balance but I think when you get criticism it's good to take it and see if there's any truth to it yeah like the patriarchy one what do you I mean, I looked at it though. I was like, huh, am I, do I, am I disrespectful to my female guests? Do I like patronize them? I mean, obviously I don't Mm -hmm. think I do, but Mm -hmm. I, you know, I thought for a moment, I'm like, no, I really, when I write the end, like I put one out today with Alison Charles, the rock star shaman. And like, I worship her. I mean, she was so amazing Mm -hmm. when I sat down to interview her. I was just like, whatever you say, like I'm in, you know, she was just such a bright light and a beautiful soul. And I wrote about her in that way and presented her. I wasn't, you know what I mean? I'm mm-hmm. not like, oh, I'm going to throw the ladies a bone and have this girl <laughs> on my show. You know, it's like, no, that's someone I really wanted to talk to because yes. she's yeah. brilliant and she's doing great things in the world. You know what I think it is? I think people that notice shit like that are actually sexist. It's like jocks in high school that were constantly talking shit about gay kids were like the latent homosexuals mm-hmm. that were like hiding that. You know what I mean? It's like, Oftentimes, people that are so uh, aware of like sexism and racism, it's because they have these latent tendencies within themselves and it's actually a projection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That happens yeah, a lot just from a psychological standpoint. Mm-hmm. Because I think about it, I'm like, wait, I'm not even like that. Yeah. Though. Like, like- I don't even think about, like at one point, I think I had the thought with my show, okay, well, I just had, I had a bunch of guys in a row and I was like, mm-hmm. well... Maybe I should balance it out a little bit and like alternate with some women. And when I put shows out, but it was more just for the sake of marketing. And like, I want to, I don't want to burn the audience out on one particular perspective, Mm -hmm. but I would never even think of 
having to do that from a standpoint of like, oh, I, you know, I got to trick people into thinking that I respect women by having more of them on my show. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it was just more of a math thing. Well, oh shit. Like I just had five guy shows. So I want to balance it out, mm-hmm. but I'm not sexist or racist. So I don't even think about that. Like I wouldn't think, oh, I need to have more African-American people on my show. So people don't think I'm a racist. It's like mm-hmm. if I meet someone, I actually don't even notice what color they are. Mm-hmm. I notice what they have to say. And if, you know, I might have a show that was 100% African-American if I met tons of people of that descent mm-hmm. that had things that I wanted to explore. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think the people that are really hung up on that shit have their own issues. Yeah. Agreed. I agree. But it is hard. It's like, because you do care. Like every email, I yeah. care. Yeah. Every time mm-hmm. someone writes something, I care. If they say, you know something that's critical or helpful, it matters to me, you know, because they've taken the time to listen. And if, you know, the more thoughtful the email, the more you care, but it's hard. Like, what do you take from it? Mm Because then you turn into nothing, you know, you turn into like, if you lose your edge, kind of, you know, like what makes you, you. Right. Yeah. What's there? I mean, that's, I ask for feedback though, also. Mm -hmm. So if you're someone who's putting yourself out there, no one's like holding a gun to my head and making me get on iTunes with the show, you know? Yeah. And also when I'm doing my show, I'm like, hey, let me know what you guys want to hear. And even on even on my website contact form, it's like, what do you want to hear from me? Like, what do you want me to do? Mm-hmm. And so if I'm asking and someone's like, dude, I really don't like the way you talk about this, this, and this, or when you use these words or have this perspective, it's, you know, it's my job, I think, to examine that and kind of be honest with myself and see if there is something there. Sometimes there are um, just subconscious resentments against Mm. certain types of people or situations. And I'll catch myself like kind of giving, you know, someone attitude or something. I go, oh, there's something behind that. Mm -hmm. Like I have a little unresolved business with say someone that I'm working with or a friend and I'll see like a little bit of just very subtle passive aggressiveness come up or something. And I have to stop and look at that and go, hmm, why am I, why is that coming out? Mm -hmm. So I think if you ask for feedback, it's, it is, it's important to look at it. Mm-hmm. But then the majority of people are like, no, dude, swear, like, do you, that's what makes mm-hmm. your show awesome. So that's where it gets I know. Tough, You're like, thanks, you know? man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I needed that. I guess it's like that thing. Where, You're like, yeah, what, fuck them. <laughs> what, what's that quote? Like, you can please some people some of the time, you can please all the people, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Or yourself. Blah. But you can't please all the people all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Forget the quote. You know, yeah. it's one of those things. Like, you're never going to put out media that just everyone loves yeah. and that everyone's, you know, behind and not offended by. So talk to us about the, like, birth of the lifestylist and where that came from and why you decided. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not doing nothing. You're pretty busy. So, like, how... <laughs> I mean, you know, um, what inspired you to start it? Oh and this God. baby has grown so quickly in the last, what, year and a half? Yeah, year and a half. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. I ask myself that every day. I'm like, why do you... Even, like, tonight you guys are coming over here to record. Like, hey, <laughs> I could have just come to you. You have your stuff. I was it's like, nice here. I know. <laughs> we like it. And you're here. home. Well, yeah, but But really the motive is like, I want to put it on Instagram live and Facebook live. I want to like have the media under control. It's easier because all my stuff's here. Yeah. But like, I literally could have just driven to your house. You throw me in front of a mic. I talk for an hour and go home. So what I'm doing, and I'll get to the answer to your question, Mm -hmm. but it's like, I do everything so obsessively and like full on that I make everything more work than it has to be. Case in point, you guys are on your way over here. I could have been meditating then making a smoothie, but I'm like, well, if I'm making a smoothie, I should definitely put that on Insta Live. Literally. <laughs> like people want to know that. So I'm running Insta Live <laughs> in there. I could just come out and give you guys the parking permit. I'm like, no, this would make a sick video. So I do Insta Live. You know, it's like, 
I make something that could be so simple and easy for myself, super complicated, Mm -hmm. but I'm just, I don't know. I'm just driven to maximize every moment, you know? So anyway, yeah, I I do work hard, probably harder than I need to, I think. I want to know where that comes from though, too. Maximizing every moment. Here's the, here's the here's there's two parts to it. The positive part is just DNA. My dad's an entrepreneur. I don't think he. I really don't think my dad ever had a job, ever in seventy five years. He's wow. just like, yeah, I'm making a company. Boom, and just he's just that guy. And I just have so much respect for him. But me and both my brothers are the same way. We just in, invent ourselves and reinvent ourselves periodically throughout life. So part of it's just mm. like just driven to produce. I just want to like, now I'm making content. So I want to like produce results when it comes to the content. Yeah. So from the positive standpoint, psychologically, it's like, if I'm going to do something at all, I want to do it with the utmost commitment to quality. I just, I love excellence and I love luxury. I just love doing things right. Like, again, I could, I could lean those devices right there on a stack of books and just whatever. No, I have like the best tripods. I have a microphone in the, mm-hmm. I, you know, an external mic in the iPhone and the iPad. I have wide angle lenses to get a nice shot. It's just like, if I'm going to do something, I'm either not going to do it or I'm going to yeah. do it and I'm going to go full on and make it as good as I possibly mm-hmm. can. And yeah. I think that's a great quality to have. I and think I'm so too. really glad that I have that. But I also have the neurotic side, which is like, the recovering drug addict side that has to like do everything in a stressful, frantic way. They're just mm-hmm. like, I could just be like, you know what? I just got home. Eh, I'll skip the Insta and Facebook tonight. The girls are going to be here any minute. You know, let me just relax and really get my composure and just take care of myself. My life. I just like, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. That's where like the... Uh, the I'm like, like, oh, I have seven minutes before they come. <laughs> yeah. What can I do? Yeah. So that's like the, the obsessive sort of... Yeah extremist part of the personality. But again, I don't know. It's one of those things like it's still part of who I am as wacky as I am. At a certain point, I just stopped fighting like, dude, I'm a freaking health nut. Like I'm obsessed with my shit. You see my house had the rebounder, the biomat, the foam roller, the lasers, the amp coil. I haven't even showed you my office. We're so excited. Yeah. Like I have, you know, I mean, my house is just full of health gadgets. And Mm -hmm. literally in the morning when I meditate, I have a like a infrared laser that I clip on my nose that shoots into my brain for mitochondrial <laughs> function. I have my human charger, blue light that goes in my ears to wake up my neurotransmitters and produce serotonin. While I'm meditating for 20 minutes on the biomat and the amp coil, it's like I have like six things and I do all six things at once, mm-hmm. which to someone who's not into this stuff could seem quite neurotic and it probably is. But at the same time, if I'm going to be sitting there meditating for 20 minutes, why just do that when I can stack five other really amazing... Maximize that time. Yeah, you know, so then I don't have to do 20 or I don't have to do five 20-minute sessions with Mm -hmm. each thing. It's just like, no, all at once, boom. So I think it's one of those things when I got off drugs in 1997, because I was used to be obsessed about one thing and one thing only. Mm -hmm. Get the drugs, do the drugs, look for more drugs. Look for drugs, get the drugs, do the drugs, look for more drugs. That was just, my life was literally like an episode of um, uh, intervention. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was that, that was me. I was like wow. one of those people. Wow. So that was when my nature was used for evil. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. Or at least self-imposed evil. I was never evil really to other people, but to myself. So when I got sober, then I got into juicing and saunas and colonics and herbalism and 
everything that's hot springs and massage and acupuncture and cupping and ionic foot baths and uh, making kombucha and just on and on and on and on and on. Mm -hmm. So that obsessiveness sort of went from self-destruction to Mm self-preservation. And I think if I'm really honest with myself, it all comes, and this was pointed out to me by a friend of mine too, I think on my show, (laughs) On, on, again, like on, I want to say negative or positive and give it duality, but like the downside of that is it's all control mechanisms. It's like yeah. controlling the yeah. lighting, controlling the mm-hmm. lenses, controlling the smoothie, controlling how I feel, the environment, the lighting, the EMFs, ah, you know. So there's like the control element. And that's exactly what you're doing as a drug addict and an alcoholic. You're controlling your emotions and your mind and your nervous system using other things. So it's almost like, that control and obsessiveness just transferred over into things that are positive and enrich your life and enrich the lives of others. But that's not to say there still isn't a little bit of a core of neurosis within that. Mm. Like often I think, what would happen, Luke, if you just let all this bullshit go and just Mm. be a normal guy? Throw a freaking steak on the grill, eat some broccoli, drink some water and call it a day. (laughs) Like, you know, like what would life be like if you just did that? And I'm like, Wow, that's cool. That's a fascinating thought, but I'm good. I got to get back to my 500 ingredient power smoothie that yes. literally would like probably like hurt someone else that's not used to drinking that in some way, you know? Like the other night, I did this mega dose of um, red asparagus root extract mm-hmm. and reishi extract that I was showing right. you guys from Longevity Power. And right when I get something, rather than and I'm I'm getting back to how it started. This is just a weird tangent on the no, psychology love of it. it. But I think this is important for people that get into the health scene and stuff like that, and even spirituality. There there is a side that becomes a distraction from mm-hmm. like doing the real work of just being a person and living yeah. your life. And in the context of relationships, this stuff can be like a huge love avoidant tool from personal experience. But anyway, red asparagus root. And a huge dose of reishi, like a, a dose of each of those is like a teaspoon maybe. And I did like two tablespoons <laughs> and then I went to bed <laughs> and I like all night had the most psychotic dreams. Shut I mean, up. I was, oh my God, I was tripping balls. And then I woke good? up in the morning, I was like, yeah, not so much. Were that was good like, or no? I mean, just like lucid dreams, yeah, kind of yeah. halfway asleep, yeah. halfway uh, awake, yeah, like yeah, yeah. knowing you're in a dream, watching yourself dream, wondering what time it is, if your alarm's about to go off, just that trippy yeah. sort of trippiness. And so I think of myself as the canary in the coal mine. So I obsess and do something crazy like that. But then I can warn you if you're like, oh, hey, I'd like to try that reishi. I'm like, you know what? Don't do too much. Like work your way up. Mm. Start with half a teaspoon and then you enter at your own risk. So like on my show, when I talk about this stuff, I always say, don't do what I'm doing. I'm like the guinea pig. Like Tim Ferriss mm-hmm. will go to all this crazy stuff. Yeah, you know, that's, He's like testing the boundaries. I didn't get this from him. I'm just wired like this. But I think that's part of how all of this came to be. And so when I made a decision to make a profession out of all the stuff that I do around this lifestyle and the lifestylist, it was born out of that, that I'm like the researcher And the one who's going to go take the first arrow and then come back and report to the tribe. All right. So, you know, I went across enemy lines, took a couple arrows. You definitely don't want to turn left at the tree, you know, turn right. You know, it's like, I'm willing to take things to a place where other people probably wouldn't be interested in taking it or don't need to take it. So when I hook up in the morning to five biohacking devices, it's almost like, does every person need to do that? No, but let me see 
how much I can benefit from it and what works and what doesn't. And then I can sort of um, be a journal, a journalist and report on my discoveries and what's meaningful and what's not. Yeah. So that's kind of the psychology of it, but it's all just born out of being a really unhealthy, unhappy person getting sober at 26, like we talked about on the other, yeah. the other show we did. So those stories can stay there. But um, I just became a seeker of truth. And so that's my thing is I look for the truth, the true core principle that any person represents and that is practiced, whether it be a spiritual teacher, psychologist, herbalist, an expert at their um, specialty of truth. And then to extrapolate those principles or those truths integrate them into my life, see what fits, what doesn't, and then share that truth. So I'm just, I became just obsessed with finding the truth because I lived in illusion for so long. I was just absolutely in full flight from reality from the time I was, I don't know, eight or nine years old, just, just gone, you know? So once I kind of landed back on earth, it was like, oh, wow, I really want to know how to be a happy, fulfilled person. And so the health stuff is one side of it, but really it's about the inside job. And what happened a year and a half ago was I just got really honest with myself about what I was doing for a living, which was being a fashion stylist here in Hollywood. And I did that for 17 years. And I got to give a shit if my partner, Lauren Masai ever hears this, she's like, oh, you realize that? Because for about three years, she was like, dude, why are you a stylist still? Mm. You're not feeling this anymore. Mm. You're past this. Like you should do you, like do your health stuff. We didn't know what that looked like, mm. but she was the one that was really got me thinking about it. And then I would reflect. I'm like, yeah, I'm really happy most of the time. Then the minute I get an email, it's like, hey, want to do a shoot for da, da, da. The minute I book a job, I'm just like, Ugh. anxiety. And then I do the job and I finish it and there's a little fulfillment of like, ah, oh, I nailed that shit because it always works out. Yeah. But that particular career is very stressful in that sense, you know? So I thought, well, what am I going to do and how can, I, how can I take that body of experience and whatever sort of credibility <clears throat> that I'd earned in that industry and I couldn't see how to transfer it over because you have like the health and wellness scene, then you have the fashion and entertainment scene. And to me, since I was like kind of in the closet in the health and wellness thing. It wasn't something I talked about outside of my circle of friends. I wasn't like, hey, do you meditate? Hey, have you tried spirulina? I'm just doing my shit, <laughs> but kind of more like plain fashion and plain Hollywood. Mm. But I was never into the parties and I was, I don't want to go to the red carpet. Like I'm just, I want to go out and like get naked and roll around in the mud in a hot springs. Like that's what I'm doing when I'm not, you know, in Milk Studios doing a, photo shoot or something, you know? So I was leading this kind of double life, but I thought, well, I have no credibility in the health and wellness thing. So I kind of thought of it as, well, I know how to build an outfit on this side. You take cute earring, nice blouse, uh, the right shoes, a handbag, you know, you put that together. I kind of got that down. And then over here, I know how to integrate different truths and practices into one's life and build a really great lifestyle, just a day-to-day -day way to live and had imparted what I've learned to a lot of people, just friends and family. And I thought, well, rather than being a fashion stylist and putting those bits and pieces together into a composite finished look, I could just show people how to take bits and pieces of a lifestyle. So I thought, well, I'll use my background as a fashion stylist and become a lifestylist. And then I thought, well, how am I going to get this information out to people? And I was like, well, I listen to podcasts every day. I mean, I'm like such a podcast fanatic. 
started out with audio tape sets mm. back in the day. They came in these Damn. booklets. Mm-hmm. Then it was like CD sets. Then it was MP3s. <laughs> then it was downloads. Now it's podcasts. So I really learn. Uh, auditory learning is really good for me. Reading is a bit tedious, but I can listen to something mm-hmm. and take it in. So I thought I'll have a podcast and I'll call it The Lifestylist. And then I still thought of my, I was like a self-worth kind of thing, a imposter syndrome. So I started the podcast. I'm like, now I'm this kind of quasi-spiritual teacher, health expert guy. I have no credibility in that industry. So it was really scary stepping out into that because I felt like a nobody and all the guys mm. that I look up to are been doing it forever and they have all this, you know, following. Like doctors. And, yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, Dave Asprey or David Wolf or freaking Eckhart Tolle, whoever, just people that are widely respected in, yeah. in that side of things. And I wasn't, and I was totally unknown. So what I did like marketing wise, because the only thing I really had was a passion for what I know and what I do and a lot of experience doing all this stuff for 20 years at that point. So I started using my credibility as like the Hollywood fashion stuff to win people over in health and wellness. So when I would try and book a podcast guest, I had nothing to stand on. Like, oh, I've been featured on blah, blah, blah. Like mind, body, green. No, I'm like nowhere to be found, you know? So I was like, hey, I used to style this celebrity and this one and that one. And now I'm this thing. And people in the health industry are like, whoa, you're so cool. Yeah. They thought I was like super cool because I'm this Hollywood kind of rock Rock and roll. star, Yeah vibe. And I was like, oh shit, I have something here yeah, I can like use. Yeah, like being myself is cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's kind of where the lifestylist thing came from. I had this sort of awakening of, wow, I really have something unique to contribute because I'm really into... The, I mean, I'm not spiritual because it's trendy. I'm doing it to save my life. And so I have a dedication to it, I think, mm-hmm. that is magnetic, it seems. you know. So I thought, man, if I can like make a living just continuing to do this research and development on myself in inner and outer work and then tell people about it. And that becomes like a job or a brand or a business. It's like, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. And the minute I did that, it was crazy. Like talk about manifestation in the universe, just listening. The minute I did that, just doors just open. I mean, I get very few no's for stuff that I'm trying to do in that area. Meanwhile, 17 years, I'm like, I'm not successful, but I watched friends of mine that were stylists like someone like Monica Rose. We were assistants together and I watched my career and her career. She's just like, Kardashians, Jenner's just, you know, she's one of the biggest stylists in the world. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm still styling bands and doing my thing. But I tried really hard to be like where someone like she was. And I started a fashion school, which took a lot of my time and energy, of course, not to um, down denigrate that as that was a huge accomplishment and is my main business still. But uh, it's just amazing how when I finally like my passion and my competence kind of met, mm. you know, where I think before in life I wanted to be a musician. I was really passionate about it, but I wasn't that talented. <laughs> I'm okay at it, but I'm not an exceptional musician. I'm mm-hmm. just not. It's just the truth. I'm okay. Being okay and being really passionate about something usually doesn't cut it. And then I was pretty good at styling, just had a natural ability to do that. But I don't know that I was ever like living and breathing it. So I was, I think, marginally successful compared to some people that started out when I started out and had the same opportunities. But then with this, it's like the knowledge base and passion and understanding are like equal. Like this is what I live and breathe to do. Mm -hmm. And this is, you know, they say, what would you, if you could make a living doing what you 
for free, you know, uh, like this is what I would be doing. Same. And this is what yeah. I have been doing mm-hmm. for yeah. free. So if I can just share that, it's like, dude, that's ridiculous. Yeah, it feels like your purpose. It is, yeah. After living, all that you've living on purpose. been through, yeah. And the universe just responds, you know, you guys have me on your show and you're like, wow, that was awesome. Do it again. And it's not even out. I'm like, okay, I guess, I guess I did something cool. We were crying laughing. I'm I'm like the last one to know though. And that's the thing that many of us are working through is that low self-worth and shame. It's like really the world reflects back to me so much more awesomeness than I see in the mirror Mm -hmm. still. And that's like my always my hurdle is like, God, people constantly give me validation, but it's been really challenging to give it to myself, you know, because mm-hmm. now I'm putting myself out there in a very vulnerable way. And everyone's like, yeah, we love you more. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh shit, I need to learn how to do that for myself, mm-hmm. which I'm in the process of doing. I have a hard time like receiving. Like I just am like, I like, will see something. I'm like, oh, I like won't even read it. I don't know. It's bad. Really? Yeah. If someone's like, oh, someone's like, she doesn't open my cards. I like don't open. Like I'm bad. I don't like voicemails. Oh, I don't do voicemail. Or just like because someone's talking to me and they'll be like, hey, Krista, like call me back, love you, bye. I'm like, I don't know. It's weird. That's interesting. (laughs) It's like a very weird thing. I need to work on like receiving. Yeah, receiving is believing. I, I I hear that. I mean, I think that's you know whether someone's aware of it or admits it. I mean. I've never met anyone that just totally loves and accepts them, themselves mm-hmm. all the time. And I think mm-hmm. we're all working on that. Mm-hmm. For me, it really took putting myself out in a really personal and public way. I mean, I like, I, you know, have that many eyes on me, but the eyes are growing and there's no taking back the shit that I revealed early on. Yeah. Like yeah. when I did my first episode, that's the first time that I've ever like talked about being sober and like some of my past. And, and I find that I'm able to reach so many more people that, respect the work that I'm doing. And then they find out those more personal parts of my life. And I've gotten so many emails from guys that are like, dude, I'm, I'm six months sober. And mm. when I look at what you're doing and contributing to the world, like now I think I can do it. And if I had never kind of come out in that sense, then I would be denying other people an opportunity to go there, you know? So that's the weird thing about it is I've talked about this on other shows. And I think on my show is the more real and and boundaryless in a sense that I can be. And the more I reveal those sides of me that I'm afraid for people to see because they'll reject me, the more people love and accept me. It is the weirdest experience ever. Mm. It's like my whole life, I worked so hard to protect myself and look cool and Mm. not show like my vulnerability or show what a super geek I am or whatever I was trying to hide. Or just that I'm a really sensitive, emotional sort of person, you know, and like that whole male thing where you're expected to act tough and this sort of old, outdated model of masculinity, which I have a totally different understanding of now. But all those things that I was like, no, don't mm. see me or even just physically like, oh, mm. shit, let me fix my hair so my receding hairline's not showing. <laughs> it's like, who gives a fuck? You know what I'm yeah. saying? It's like, whatever. I don't look at the Dalai Lama and be like, that guy would be dope if he had more hair. You know? It's like, <laughs> I mean, the people that I look up to like yeah. that, this, I don't even, I don't see that mm-hmm. stuff. I see their soul, you know, and when I meet someone, it's mm-hmm. like, I, I see their energy more so than I see their Chanel bag or something when I'm sizing yeah. them up. I noticed that too, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the old life. But um, the point of it is, I think, is that like the number one goal in life for me is to be as real as possible. Like just 
total realness and and honesty to be honest with myself and Mm -hmm. to be honest with other people not in word and deed not like that superficial honesty like hey you forgot you lent me 20 bucks last week here it is i'm such an honest guy but just Mm -hmm. being real with people i mean imagine like living your life and you die and people at least could say about you that mother effort was real they were real i mean that is to me just something i value so much to not be fake and counterfeit. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so meaningful to me because I was so phony for most of my life. I was always hiding, especially when I was an addict and stuff. I mean, your whole life is a lie. Everything's a lie. You must feel so liberated liberated and like high almost in that way that you're being so honest all the time. I would be giddy (laughs) as fuck all the time. It's crazy. You know what I mean? For it it to be such... Oh my it's God, so, yeah. It's, it's so, just, um, I feel like I'm tripping It's balls. so liberating. Life's so good. I mean, it, yeah. it, it really, really is liberating. And that, it's, the, it's so fun. I think now I'm in this stage where I'm playing with it to sort of see how open yeah. I can be. Not like yeah. I tell the world every, you know, deep, dark secret because I also need to learn how to have better boundaries in certain situations, mm-hmm. something else I'm working on. But in terms of just public persona and interviewing people and being interviewed like god how how honest can i be yeah you know are even, you s- super sensitive to those that aren't either being honest with themselves or just deceptive yeah, I mean, in that's general the thing. In, like, my, or, in my relationships my number one i mean i because i really look at this when i'm have friendships or romantic relationships and especially when they end i really look at like hmm you know what what was i missing when i went into it and how can I not repeat going into it again in the same way? You know, in other words, staying conscious and self-aware. And I've looked at my values in myself, like the things that I really want to contribute to the world and qualities that I want to have in my character. Because I'm always looking at the ones I need to work on, but sometimes it's also important to look at the the attributes that one has too. It's like celebrating the wins as the true definition of humility. It's not just mm. like, oh no, I'm just humble sitting over here in the shadows. It's like, no, humble means you're in the front of the fucking room owning it if that's who you are, you know? Yeah. So it's always knowing there's kind of more to work on, but there has been work to be done. But the thing that I really value in myself and other people is honesty. And it's like, if somebody's phony or inauthentic and can't be real, I have a very difficult time interacting with them on any level. It's just a waste, it's just a waste of time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know. I completely agree. I mean, lying is like, I'm saying like lying is way, it's like way unacceptable, but I just mean like in day to day, just being who you are, yeah. just being around someone who can keep it yeah. real. I mean, telling someone a lie, like, oh, I did this or didn't do that, like boldface lies, that's like totally, totally, totally unacceptable under any mm-hmm. circumstances for me in my relationships and for myself too. But it's not in like a self-righteousness, like I'm so honest. It's not that, it's just, it's part of my recovery to just not hurt people mm-hmm. and be selfish and be dishonest and be like self-seeking and yeah. like conniving and manipulative and stuff like that. I just, in order for me to feel inner peace, I have to be super, super straight up and have integrity, you know? So if my integrity is ever wavering at all, I am, I'm pretty aware of it. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. Like I've been, I've, I've been approached to do a couple of ads on my podcast and I'm like, I want that money. Yeah. You know, I go, mm, I can't do it because I don't mm-hmm. believe in, 
the yeah. product or I know yeah. it's bullshit or it's just not top quality and I just won't do it. And sometimes it's uh, a little bit of a sacrifice in the, in the, in the immediate, but in then the, the long term yep, is, is like, that's where that self-worth comes from. It's like, I'm a man of my word. If I say I'm going to do something, I do it. If I say I'm not doing it, I'm not doing it, which feels really good. Yeah. I mean, that is like such a secure feeling. You know, rather than that, like anxiety, mm-hmm. insecurity, sketchy feeling that is really easy to have, especially living in a city like this, to feel grounded and centered and just like, I know who the F I am. Mm-hmm. And sure, sometimes I fall short of that, but like, I know where, mm-hmm. I know where the beam is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. When I'm off, I know I'm off. Mm-hmm. Like I get off every single day, literally. I'm not centered multiple times a day. I'm kooky and feel weird. But I know what it's like to feel centered and feel on point and to feel in integrity. So it's like I'm always gravitating back to that balance point. I think the thing with people being inauthentic too, I find it's like the more judgmental someone is, sometimes the more inauthentic they are. You know, so it's like if you are being, um, not if you're not being true to yourself, you're more likely to judge because you... Um, want to deflect or you're moving away from love. You know, I mean, if you're being your authentic self, you are that pure love. So the further away you move from that, the more judgmental you are. And I find that myself too. You know, if I'm being more judgmental than usual, I'm more away from who I authentically should be. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the, that's the funny thing about, um, judgmentalism Mm -hmm. is when we start to, or for me, when I started to become aware of that, just like, even just myself or there's so many levels to it but mm-hmm. let's just say like being judgmental of people and thinking you're better than them or something when i started to have the awareness that wow the reason that in my mind or verbally i'm putting someone down and judging them and criticizing them and condemning them when i started to connect to the fact that it was just projection on how i felt about myself and that that was like such a like an obvious ego boost to, for me to feel better than someone else because I feel less than everyone and everything. Once I started to become aware of that, it was like so gross mm-hmm. to be judgmental because you see where it comes from. Mm-hmm. And then when you see other people doing that, you're like, oh, you poor thing. Mm-hmm. Like I know what that feels like mm-hmm. to hate yourself so much that you have to put other people down. Mm-hmm. It's like another way to avoid mm-hmm. getting triggered by trolls too. Mm-hmm. Because every once in a while I get someone who's not like, hey, this word offends me or I don't like the content you do, this or that. But they're just like, I hate you. You're a bad person. You mm-hmm. totally suck ass. Mm-hmm. It's like for a person to sit down and actually take the time. I know what I'll do tonight on my night yeah. off. Yeah. <laughs> sit down on my keyboard and like toxically yeah. vomit on mm-hmm. someone. Like that's a person who's in a lot of pain. Yeah. That's a person yeah. who has a mind that they're at war with mm-hmm. all the time. Because yeah. I felt like that. I used to live like that. Yeah. My mind was constant. I was at war with my mind constantly. Mm. Other drivers, people, putting people down, making fun of people, da, da, da. But really what was happening is just I had a really low opinion of myself. And I would get a temporary little boost from like, Haha, I'm smarter than them. I'm better than them. They're lame. Not that I don't still do that shit. Like, you know, sometimes, of course, but much more aware of it. Because mm-hmm. now that, you know, it's the awareness is the beginning of, stopping anything once you have the awareness and you're practicing keeping that awareness alive all the time then you feel really gross when you do something and and you catch yourself and you know what you're doing anytime that (laughs) happens my question is like okay what's really going on because it's not usually them Mm -hmm. you know or like that surface level what you see it's like okay what's 
really going on here, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's usually something much more deep seated. To the what's really going on, I find if I'm like, if someone's stressing me out or someone's annoying me, it's oftentimes because I'm overcommitted or I'm maxed out or I have too much on my plate and that, you know what I mean? They're yeah. not doing anything. It's all me in my perceiving of what they want from me or something. Mm. So I oftentimes think about that. If someone's like annoying me or someone does something to bother me, I'm like, if I were at a place where I was like calm, cool, collected, I had space and time, finding balance, I had space and time in my life, what they said or did would not bother me. Mm -hmm. Like a hundred percent of the time. That's a good barometer for how in truth... I am yeah. is like how impervious I am to people's attacks. Mm. You know, because when you're super on point and you're like in your space, mm-hmm. people can project yeah. all kinds of shit and you're just like, oh man, I feel sorry for you. Are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> and not in a condescending yeah. way, but you're really like, oh man, I feel for you. Mm-hmm. Like trolls. I'll never forget when I interviewed David Wolf, who's a really out there guy. I mean, he's mm-hmm. into some crazy stuff. So he's really a target for trolls and he has such a huge following and such mm-hmm. a huge um, mm-hmm. voice. I think he has like 7 million Facebook fans, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, just crazy. Uh, but I said, dude, you get, you put out such controversial stuff about UFOs and this and that, you cool. know, and he gets mm-hmm. trolled so hard, but they're so vicious for some reason. Mm-hmm. And I said, dude, I mean, doesn't that hurt? Like, how do you deal with that? And, and, and his answer was beautiful and it really had an impact on me. He said, Luke, I just, I feel so bad for mm-hmm. someone who f- feels that much pain, you know, who's mm-hmm. suffering, who's in the shadow that deeply where they just are in so much pain that they have to inflict pain on others in order to just alleviate some of the pain load. Mm-hmm. I'm paraphrasing, but it was it was something to the effect like, oh man, when that's, I mean, he was just like, what are you kidding me? When that happens, I just feel so much compassion for those people. Yeah. That's you so know, beautiful. His, yeah, his answer wasn't like, well, it's because I know I'm dope and I'm right and they're yeah. wrong. You know? it's, like it's like haters going to hate. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah. It wasn't that at all. I mean, it was a really sincerely heartfelt answer mm. of just his perspective on it. It was, it was very useful because I'm not like popular enough to get too many opinions one way or the other. But if I keep going like I'm going, hopefully... Mm-hmm. I have a lot What's of... What's up, 1 million downloads? Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. Thank Get you. It. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's but amazing. That's, I mean, you have to, if you're going to put yourself out there, man, you better not be thin-skinned. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you have to really have your self-respect intact in order to not take on other people's stuff. And then also, like we're saying, to be willing to see if there's any truth to it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I feel like I've grown a lot from having the podcast and putting a lot of stuff out there. Like sometimes I'll listen to myself on the podcast and I'm like, you yeah. know, and like, oh, do you know? <laughs> it's and an then sometimes exercise I'm, like, I'm like, cool, good job, you know? It's an exercise in self-acceptance. Oh, for sure. But I think if I Do you guys think- listen to every show you do? I do. She, I don't know. If I do. You do? Yeah. It, yeah. I, well, because I'm on the editing end, so I like have to oh, okay. as well. But um, if I think back to our episodes, like the the moments, I think when we were most honest about some things in our life, like sometimes we steer away from talking about ourselves because we want it to be all about our guests. But I think, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> you in your that? case too, no, but I <laughs> think it's so, so helpful. You're, you're such a vehicle for people to heal and to understand this, to be a gateway to, into the wellness world. I think it's really important for you to relate what you're going through to what other people might be going through and the sub- subject that you're talking about. But when we've shared, 
you know, I've talked about like things with my relationships mm-hmm. and I've been like really honest and you've talked about things. And mm-hmm. I think those will get emails mm-hmm. and messages just saying like, oh my God, thank you so much for sharing. Like mm-hmm. one, I can't believe you shared that. But two, like I went through the same thing mm-hmm. or I know someone who did and I wasn't sure how to approach it. And mm-hmm. so I think to your point, I think people are connecting with you and and your journey and it's not ego. It's not like Mm -hmm. this, even though it might feel selfish at times, it's really helping people because, Mm -hmm. you know, we're all human. Mm -hmm. So I I think to remind each other of that, you know, is really important. But we were talking about balance before, finding balance. And I was Mm -hmm. thinking about you and all that you do. And we were having a conversation earlier today about like, damn, how are we in the new year? Like, how are we going to find some balance? And yeah, our personal lives, in how we want to grow this business, in, you know, she and I still have our full-time jobs too. Um, So in what ways are you finding balance and where do you find it the most difficult? What is that Yeah, literally balance. (laughs) I know we talked about it a little bit in in the first episode with you, but like... You know, it's it's actually funny because... I think because I'm such an extremist, I know I really do oscillate between like, yeah, I get all workaholic and like dominating and content and just production, 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 producing. And then I go through this period of hibernation and I just like, you can't get me on my computer and the emails are just like stacking up and I just like, okay, I'm out and I go to the park yeah. every day and I don't think either the feast or famine approach isn't so good, but that's also, I think, wired. Actually, I just realized this. It's kind of wired into me from working as a stylist for mm. so long because it is like you have a, you know, you're working a Budweiser commercial for two weeks and you're working 14, 16 hour days every single day for two weeks. And then you have three weeks off afterward. Yeah. And so I'm always like in okay. that, you know, all or nothing kind of um, thing, which a lot of freelancers are, and especially in Hollywood. I mean, it's just, you know, whatever award season, you get really busy. There's always these times where you work really hard and then there's periods where it gets really slow and you're just chilling. Mm. But um, now it's like I'm totally self-directed, which is difficult. I mean, I've had very few jobs where I work for other people in my life, but being a freelance artist as a stylist and a musician, it's like when you're on a job, you are accountable and answerable to your client for that period of time. And so it's kind of like you have intermittent bosses in a sense, or if like when I was playing in a band, if you're on tour, I mean, obviously there's things you got to do, places you have to be. But now I'm totally on my own. And I'm, I mean, I'm accountable to my business school of style because I have a partner. And if I go too often to the fringes, she's like, uh, hello, mm-hmm. we own a company. Where are you? And that's happened many, many times. And then I have to like, oh shit, okay, mm-hmm. I can't neglect the baby here. Mm-hmm. Especially when there's a baby mama. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> she's not having that. Uh, so the balance has been really hard because I have to kind of create it myself. And it's actually really difficult for me um, because I, I'm not a planner. It's just my personality type. I literally make life, life up as I go, like every day. If I don't have something on the calendar, I just do whatever shiny thing flies by. I'm like, yeah, I'm doing that. And I just jump for this I and that. I'm, that. <laughs> I'm super annoying to some people that are more organized, but I'm a hell of a ride for other people. <laughs> it's like, wow, you hang out with Luke. You don't know. You could end up in an ice bath. You know, it's like, you could be out at a nice dinner. I mean, just, hey, want to yeah. go to the movies? Let's go to the movies right now. And you just like, we're yeah, late. Yeah. And we just run in and like, grab a seat. You know, I'm just, I literally live like that. So it's um, without a full-time assistant slash babysitter that I'm like, I'm actually looking for one right now. 
it's difficult to find that balance because I'll screw off too much and then like put myself in a behind a deadline for the podcast. And I'm like, ah, oh, then my sound editor show producer is like, dude, where's the intro? Where's your ads? I'm like, oh God, I screwed off too much today and like went to the hot springs and shit. <laughs> you know? So it's like, or I, I just that. go totally psycho and do no self-care. So the balance yeah. is gotten a lot better but it's something i've really had to work on because i'll kind of like lean one one way or the other a little too far yeah but uh but i do i do you know i think because of the work that i do especially since it involves a lot of meditation and mindfulness and all this self-care stuff is kind of what i built into the work yeah so it's Mm -hmm. like if i'm sitting there meditating with five devices on trying this new protocol it's like it's self-care but it's also part of my work which Mm -hmm. is which is cool and but you get then, to see family too? Like, are you... Well, I have dad that lives in Colorado and Florida right. and then mom that lives in Sonoma County. Okay. And I see them, you know, usual family time. I haven't seen my mom in a long time, but uh, my dad I see a couple times a year, yeah. you know, and then I have two brothers that live a mile I away. Vilakman, I see them on a pretty regular basis. Mm, that's great. But I'm also just... I have... I didn't really grow up with like a really nuclear family. Everyone was kind of disjointed Same. and divorced. Mm-hmm. And I don't have a real sense of yeah. like family value. Like my yeah. friend James, who's Jewish. I finally met a Jewish person. <laughs> 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 like, oh, that's He a taught thing. me all okay. about yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's amazing. He's, uh, he's, per- he's a Persian Jew and he's from, uh, he's from the UK. So he has a British accent, but his family is originally from Iran. And they're just the most lovely people. And mm-hmm. they have, you know, in that tradition, as I've learned, there's like, all these dinners, dinners and their holidays yeah. going forever. And when I first met him, I was like, oh God, poor guy. He's got to go like do all this shit with his family. <laughs> you know? And then one time I went with him, his family has this beautiful home in Bel Air, you mm-hmm. know, they're, they're well off and they have a good life. And I went and like, yeah. oh my God, I was like, it was so beautiful mm-hmm. to watch all the cousins and aunts and uncles and the mm-hmm. little kids running around. And they were so gracious to me and so welcoming and kind. And it was, I got the feeling like, oh man, I didn't really have this. This is beautiful. No wonder he never complains about Shabbat dinner. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, yo, bro, let's hang out Friday. He's like, yo, Shabbat, Shabbat. You know, but he's like, ah, oh, I got to go to Shabbat dinner with my family. He's like super pumped on it. And then when I had that experience, I, I saw why, you know? So I, I think the answer to that, because my parents are getting older and I have my two brothers, but... I think the answer is like, oh, I think that's, you You make your own family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's probably like a family of homies, yeah. but like- That's what I feel like. 100%, wife, yeah. kids, like that kind of family has never been something that seemed like a yeah. great idea to me. Mm. Because that means I can't just make up life as I go along. There's mm. accountability and structure and responsibility, which in many ways I've perceived as restriction. Mm. And um, I think the real restriction is not allowing oneself to fully experience life which could include and encompass having some sort of version of a family, you know? Mm. Yeah. So yeah, it's something actually I've been thinking about lately. It's like, oh, wow, that actually sounds really nice and cozy, you know? And there comes that balance. If that happens, then yeah, I can't just make up life as I go along and do whatever the hell I want. But how much am I missing out on because I just live this semi-nomadic, spontaneous, you know, fly by the seat of my pants life. It's great for me, but there's also an inherent loneliness in it too. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm always just doing me. It's like a, it's like a conse- consequence is in the negative form isn't the way to describe it, but it is a consequence. Yeah. You know, it's of living the lifestyle that you have. Yeah. Consequence with sequence. Yes. It's what happens after this other thing yes. if you do it this way. Yes. Yeah. 
I was thinking about that, like with relationships and stuff, like how has this worked with relationships? Like, you know, you just being all in and then nothing. And then, you know, really obsessive with your self-care. Like how, how do people that you're with reply, respond to that? Well, you know, it's funny. This is an area of life that I'm really working on right now. Admittedly, one that has eluded me mm. <laughs> largely in my life because I was just solo mish most of the time, just doing my thing and, mm. you know, date here and there, mm. have some sex here and there, have fun, like, cool. Girlfriends intermittently. Uh, I think the longest relationship that I was in was uh, five years and all of the stuff that I do actually really interfered with the relationship because she wasn't really into it. And then a couple of relationships. And also I used it as a distraction. I mean, intimacy is scary. You know, it's something I've gotten better at, I think, inviting into my life mm -hmm. and being open to in the context of a relationship. But mm -hmm. at that time in my life, this is going back a few years, I was still pretty avoidant of intimacy and really afraid of getting sort of trapped and hurt and all of that. Mm -hmm. you know? So I would use a lot of that stuff. Like, oh, I got to go meditate. It's mm -hmm. like, well, who can bitch at you for meditating? That means you're a great guy if you meditate. Well, yeah, that's great. But like, if your partner doesn't want to meditate with you, then you might have to make some sacrifices. Maybe mm -hmm. not of that, but of mm -hmm. something in order to right. have that time together mm -hmm. and to really just be able to sit with someone and look in their eyes and just be vulnerable and open and intimate. I think at that time, I wasn't really able to go there mm -hmm. to the degree that I probably would be now. So, um, in that one, it was kind of, it kind of interfered in many ways, you know, cause like I'm married to my lifestyle. So there was only so much room for another person to enter into that. I feel like there is someone who would want to do all of well, those I, things I with did you, experience you know? in subsequent relationships. I have experienced okay. people that were more in alignment with my lifestyle practices and some that weren't. And I think probably works better for me when that person is on board and we're like, let's meditate together. Let's do this geek out smoothie together. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm not like you got to be Bopsy twins. I think individuality <laughs> and, you know, that um, interdependence is also key because, the, you know, the yeah. other extreme is like you're just Siamese twins and all that codependency and weirdness happens. Mm -hmm. I've been in that too. Uh, but yeah, I think at least someone who's kind of on board with the same lifestyle would make it so you could have more shared experiences. Mm. And then, of course, there's going to be things you don't enjoy, you know, um, in the same way that your partner does. But yeah, I, I think now, just where I am in my life, I would be pretty good at learning how to integrate someone else into the life and being willing to like forego some of my personal preferences and how I want to spend my time throughout the day geeking out on all this shit, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Because really, I mean, what you're looking for in any of this stuff is love <laughs> at the end of the day. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not romantic love, but I just mean that the sense of lovingness, not like love pointed at something, but just contentment and love and peace, mm -hmm. serenity, well-being. Mm -hmm. And that's something that can really be achieved if you're able to allow someone else into that space with you. You're only going to get so far on your own, but that merging of the masculine and feminine and whatever type of body they happen to be in mm -hmm. uh, is to me like that's the highest love is that union. Mm. So you can only get so far by yourself. I think this is what I'm learning. I love that episode you did with John Wineland, right? Oh, he's great, man. That was great. Yeah, that was a dude, good one. <laughs> dude, he's so dope. I interviewed Wineland twice and I don't, I guess I listened back, but 
He has a different vernacular. What is that mm-hmm. word? Vern- vernacular? Yeah. Vernacular? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Van Vern. I use a lot of words and I don't actually know what they mean. They just sound really cool. <laughs> yeah. um, but then I listen back and like the other day I was talking to someone about a breathing exercise and I was like, well, I really like the shamanistic breathing. <laughs> 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 I listened back. I was like, you're a douche. <laughs> um, yeah. Shamanic breathing. Um, so John Wineland, he had a different framework or just the way that he describes some of these concepts and ideas. And it's like talking to him like, yeah, I know he's right. I can sense the truth in it, but I didn't totally get where he was coming from. But like I have other people like John Gray that I've had on my show. Like I, every word he says, I'm like, yep, yep, yep. Get it, get it, get it, get it, get it. Not like I know everything he's telling me, but I just, I understand the languaging and the, just the position of his experience and teaching. It's not weird. But Wineland, I was like, ah, I know it's in there, but I need to mine for it a bit. And then I did one of his workshops. Oh, <laughs> dude, it's called The Art of Fearless Intimacy. Oh my <laughs> fucking God. What were your takeaways? It was what happened? So gnarly. <laughs> so I'm like, you could take. If you the, say it's gnarly, it's fucking crazy. Dude, you could take. I mean, find, think of the toughest male in the world. You're, you know, decorated Marine, Navy SEAL, badass, you know, beast warrior and put him in that workshop and he'd like run out screaming like a five-year-old girl, you know? I mean, like Whoa. it was terrifying because you put into these situations in which you have to uh, sink into the most profound intimacy and really, really be seen. So there's like maybe 35 women, 35 men. Some people go there as couples some people as singles. I happened to be single when I went. And so I dragged a homie there because they needed another guy to balance out the numbers. You know, mm-hmm. they need even numbers. And uh, so I brought my homeboy, which is a little comforting. At least someone's in the room and you're like, <laughs> <laughs> each other yeah. but then we did all these you're exercises. You're like shivering naked. Yeah, yeah. They do all these exercises where they partner you up with women. And it's just, I mean, I probably had more intimacy in that weekend with females than I've had my entire life. I mean, really? where you just... Oh my God. Yeah. Where you sit and breathe together and stare at each other's eyes and just, I mean, I don't want to give away his whole proprietary work, Mm -hmm. but yeah, prolonged periods of like really being seen and seeing someone else and being very vulnerable and also getting feedback from the feminine. Mm. You know, this happened to be men and women, but I'm assuming it would work the same way with same sex people Mm -hmm. that have polarity, you know? But so with women, I'm sitting there and you're getting feedback. They're like, nope, you give me too much of this, too little of that. And they're like reading your energy and reading what you're giving and bringing out like the weak, gross parts of you that need to be eliminated, you know? So it's like no women are ever that honest with you. If you're dating them or you're friends Mm. with them, they're never going to really, really give it to you because they know that the male ego is very fragile Mm -hmm. and it could be permanently scarring. I mean, I don't know what the female equivalent of that would be, but... Do you give the females feedback? Actually, yeah. Uh Yeah. uh Uh-huh. Yeah, the female feedback. Yeah, we did. Sure. That's cool. I would want... I would like... I would too. I feel like it's important It's been so long. I just want to like... What do you see? Like sometimes I'm like, what do you feel? What do you see? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I just lose lose a sense of With almost everyone, I could just see... But I also have really high empathy too. Mm. So I see a lot anyway just casually observing notice a lot about people Mm. but with the women i could just see their scar 
Mm. Every one of them. Mm. You know, I could see where they'd been hurt and mostly had been hurt by the masculine. Mm. You know, and you could just see that. And so you could see it in their defensiveness and their fidgetiness and their bitchiness and their whateverness. It was just like you could just see the wound in there. And so that was most of them. That was my Mm. feedback. You know, I was just like, hey, it's safe. We're not all like that. Mm. You know, it was was profound. But yeah. That's that's what these interviews lead to sometimes. It's like, Isn't it crazy? It could be that. Or next thing you know, I interview someone like last week on lasers and now like every day on the couch, I'm like, buy carpal <laughs> tunnel and I like cure myself of freaking diseases and shit, you know, with this technology. It's like, I never know what rabbit hole I'm going to end mm-hmm. up in. But my favorite, cool. my favorite shows are really the, the relationship ones and the ones that mm-hmm. dive deep, like with mm-hmm. Lacey Phillips, um, mm-hmm. a free and native. I mean, she just like started reading my fucking mail, you know, it was just like, love oh. her. Yeah. I was like, damn. She blew and she's like the minds. one I was referring to earlier, Allison Charles, same thing. She took me to this place where I just became really open and mm-hmm. vulnerable and it was, it was amazing, you know? So I think that going back to that, you know, the balance and how does it work in relationships? It's like, I think it can only work in relationships. Mm. Right now, I'm in a period of, I'm right at six months. Oh, that's months. interesting. Yeah, because mm-hmm. you can, I know. you can fake all this shit by yourself, mm. you know. But when you're with someone who can mirror you back to you, if you're both yeah. conscious enough to do that, I think that's where the real juice is. But right now, I'm in, a, I'm six months into a celibacy period. No dating, no sex, no that's flirting, right. no you nothing. Yeah, that. I was probably four months into yeah. something then. And honestly, it's like January 1st, it would be six months. And I'm like, that's in a couple of weeks. Like, yeah, I'm like, so not done. Yeah. Like, I'm, I oh, feel wow. like, oh, yeah. yeah, no, I'm I'm just beginning the excavate. I just mm-hmm. broke ground on really looking inside at who and what I am at this point in my life and what I want and what I don't want and where I want to go because I'm 47, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, hmm, if I... I want to end up being a single guy, I better make that decision and kind of go that way, which I don't, you know, mm-hmm. so... Mm-hmm how do I have better chances of success in the future and really make sure that I've done the work so I can kind of be in the gravitational pull of someone who's on my level and has also done the work and who's mm. fully committed to continuing on that journey together, you know, and hopefully in a way that's healthy, mm. you know, where both people aren't like triggering each other into these spirals of Mm. codependency and fucking craziness where, oh, well, if, uh, now I got to work on myself because I went through a yeah, breakup. Yeah, you wouldn't. But it's like to meet with someone who mm. wants to really go there. Mm-hmm. That's what's up. So doing those interviews with people like John and then doing that workshop, I was like, oh, <laughs> I was like, oh shit. Is that what kind of, not triggered, you know, but inspired the first, this, the, this The six first months. thing was three years ago when I had a relationship and that one that was in for five years with my girlfriend, Lauren, and uh, that ended sadly. She left. And, um, and then my friend, Neil Strauss, put out a book and he'd been writing this book for five years and it's called The Truth. And he's like a f- great author. He wrote a book about pickup artists called The Game, which taught guys how to like get laid and get a girlfriend and just deal with the opposite sex and um, kind of was known for that. Then he went through this whole awakening at the same time as I was kind of having one. And then he wrote this book and I wrote that, he read that book and it was like, I sat right here and read that book on that little mm-hmm. chaise lounge, mm-hmm. Best. crying my eyes out, reading that book Aww. and then laughing. I mean, it was, I was hysterical yeah. in both respects reading that book, but it was a huge, huge awakening because the, 
the essence of it is he was this big playboy and thought he had it all figured out. He's the successful guy. He can get any girl he wants. And then he got a girl he was in love with. I'm just going to spoil the book if anyone reads it, mm-hmm. but he loses the girl because he cheats. The girl's like, peace, bounces. He goes off and works on himself for a couple years and eventually reconciles with Ingrid, his wife. They're still together and they have a beautiful baby. They seem very healthy and happy. Wow. So it's like he went through all the stuff that I was going through of dealing with being love avoidant and uh, having been enmeshed with his mom and emotional incest and all this shit that happened in a childhood that then created this cascade of patterns that he took into his adult life, all of which mirrored mine so closely. But at the end of the book, he gets the girl. And at the end of the book, I lost the girl of my book, you know? And that was like, uh, mm. that was hard to accept, to see. It's one of those things, God, if I had only known, I could have maybe mm. been different, but I wasn't different. It's where I was. I I wasn't available, Mm, you know, to the degree that would have been necessary to keep that going. So that's what started it was Neil's book. But then there's been these pivotal other relationships that have come and gone. And then also things like John's work and honestly, just interviewing people Mm. on my show where I'm like, oh, and I have these breakthroughs. Oh, now I see. And then you Mm. think, you know, and then go through something else you're like oh now i see there's deeper levels you know yeah so that's why i just said you know what i'm just going to take some time because i need to really reset not just like you know you go through a breakup it hurts it's sad and then you're trying to fill a hole pretty immediately in some way that's that's what i've always i mean i get out of a relationship i'm like cool i mean it might hurt but i'm just like well the answer is obviously just start dating like crazy until you get over Mm -hmm. it you know but I don't know that I've ever had like a full reset to the degree that I am now where I'm I'm not yeah. just like, oh, I'm just going to wait and just live my normal life. No, I'm really working on that area specifically and mm. looking inside and trying to be honest with myself about what my own issues are so I can work on them now and sort of mm. till the soil for when the universe thinks it's time for someone to come along that would be a good suitable partner, you know? Till the soil for a fruitful bounty. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, like, and then you have to adapt to shit. Yeah. The girl's going to be like, yeah, this whole like two hour routine in the morning that you do, I'm not down. <laughs> like I need more crazy. of you. Well, I mean, or maybe they're like, hey, I want to do all this too. Yeah. That'd be awesome too. But there's obviously going to be um, compromises, yeah. you know, in whatever yeah. lifestyle you have. Because how boring is it to be with someone that's exactly like you? I mean, yeah. Yeah. you have to have some contrast mm-hmm. and some polarity, but... uh but yeah, I think for me, since my lifestyle is so intent, uh, intensely this way, um, I've tried to kind of date outside of the lifestyle, so to speak, mm. and it hasn't really worked because mm. it's so specific and in a sense mm. so strict. Mm-hmm. So if like, I don't know, people do drugs or drink or smoke or just fucking shop at Costco and eat GMOs and what you know, don't <laughs> hate meditating or, you know, whatever. There's just like, there's certain things you kind of have to be. I just pictured you like, Chopping around Costco looking for a Yeah, girl. like just throwing chicken nuggets in your Tyson, bag. Tyson's chicken nuggets. Yeah. But, I, you know, I, I think if if you're a person who's more broad and not so focused on like the way you live your life, it's probably not that important. Like, oh, you know, my husband's really outdoorsy and me, I'm like, I like the city or, you know, it's like yeah. those things. But when it comes like to... Like he'd prefer a relaxing vacation. <laughs> I like to be active. Yeah, yeah, totally. And that's, yeah. I mean, that's the thing too. I've, been in relationships where I want to go run around the woods, literally run around the woods naked and mm-hmm. go swimming in rivers and 
you know, the girlfriend's like, yeah, I don't like bugs. I'll mm-hmm. see you at Barney's, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh shit, it's, it makes it difficult to spend quality time. Because yeah. Mm-hmm. You both really don't like the way the other person spends their leisure time or yeah. what their hobbies are and stuff. So, yeah. That's mm. key. I love that. Wow. Should we wrap up by talking about a few things that we've used and observed in Luke's <laughs> yeah, home? Oh, yeah. Wait, what did you think about ionic foot baths? We got it. Okay, Do you feel I'll like that's real that. or no? We, I did it just the other day. Dude, I have one in my closet. You do? <laughs> yeah. Um, We're going to take you on a tour. I, yeah. No, I, you know, it, it would be sick to you do a, should. a video with you. I mean, I'll take you on a tour, but it'd be sick to make a video with you guys and like just oh, put you on everything. all the... Yeah. Yes. If you got, I don't know if you ever do oh video content. Yep. Yes, you will. The Onyx foot bath, you know... Uh, what do you think? One of, one of the earliest biohackers that I worked mm-hmm. with, he's kind of my health coach, for lack of a better term, is named Truth Calkins. And he's the, he's the herbalist that created all the drinks at Air One. So when you go into the tonic mm. bar and you buy your $20 drink, Sorry. Truth came up with all those recipes and he now lives in Tucson and mm. does these crazy healing modality technologies on people and stuff. But uh, he still vouches for the Ionic foot bath. He says it's real. It it does it. I've always been... And, and I he's hyper scientific, like mm. really, really mm. brilliant guy. Mm. So if something, if he vouches for something, I'm pretty much all in. Dave Asprey, I think would be someone that I would trust to. I mean, he, he's a little woo woo and he's out there, but he's like really into the science too, yeah. which I'm not. I and read, he's in Tionic foot baths? Uh, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I'm just saying is like, there's a, there's only a couple people. What is it like, supposed to do? I don't know what it is. It's detox you. Okay. So oh. it's a mm-hmm. little ion generator you put in water with some epsom salt which makes mm-hmm. the water more conductive and then what it does is it draws toxins out of the bottom of your feet right. like they have these little stickers that do it too oh you can right. sleep with them on yeah too. yeah and then they're all like brown in the morning yeah. and stuff. supposedly i've never used those weirdly I'm enough like, i feel like my feet are just dirty but the, yeah. <laughs> but the ionic foot bath is a trip because if you the thing that's that makes it kind of fugazi is the if colors. you put tap water in it, oh. okay, and then you run your and you run your feet in it for twenty minutes or whatever. The water turns like black, and so you're like, oh my god, that's all this like toxins coming out of me. But the minerals and the chemicals in the water when they get the ionic exchange, they'll just turn black, even if like you're a one year old baby that has no toxins in you. <laughs> so it's kind put of a little baby foot yeah, in there. It's kind of let me here. You're not toxic. Get <laughs> yeah. over here. Yeah, hold your baby you know, upside <laughs> like down and then put back. Um, that is Lucas' father. So yeah, yeah. totally. I'll biohack my baby. Um, but I, I then I because I, I, when I got, I was like, dude, I've been doing fast and clonics yeah. and all this stuff. I'm like, there's no way I'm that toxic to have this mud in there afterwards. So then I started using distilled water. And that's the thing. When you use distilled water, there's no minerals in the water, right? Mm. It's all. It's just 100% pharmaceutical. And so it's just empty water. And so when you use the uh, distilled water, it gets a little yellowy, mm. but it's the same almost for every person. So I think it is getting some stuff out of you, but it's also a process. And it's one of those mm. things like I'll be into a certain modality for a little while. And then even if there is some efficacy to it, mm-hmm. I'll just like, yeah, I'm onto this other thing. Yeah, you, know, yeah. you know, forget about it. So the foot bath, it's funny because a lot of people are talking about them again now. They, really? they come back in vogue. Yeah. Because after 20 years, you see things, it's like fashion. You yeah. see things come yeah. in and out. It's cyclical. It's so like true. I see like these like 
16-year-old girls running around in Guns N' Roses shirts. I'm like, I had that shirt oh, in 1986. No, like the real one, it Forever comes, 21. It, com- like, it comes yeah. around and, and that's the way these health things are too. Like kombucha, when I started seeing that in stores, I was like, really dog? I was making kombucha in 97. You really? have this big gross Damn. like blob schmegma and you make this black <laughs> tea. And, so yeah, it was foul. Um, so the foot baths, I don't know, the jury's out, but based on my go-tos that are the real super geeks, um, I'm going to vote yes. And maybe mm-hmm. I'll even get mine out and like do a podcast with my you feet should. in the back. Let's do a video of us <laughs> trying yeah. your stuff. We should. Well, it's funny because my show producer, Tati, was like, dude, you have all these people over all the time trying all this technology. You should just like start that would charging be a great them and, series. and open, a, open a clinic. I'm like, well, literally, you, you should. I'm like, yeah, I can't charge people to like heal them. But you could you could monetize it and make videos like content for your YouTube, right? Like showcasing a certain mm-hmm. product, right? You know what I mean? That's content right. for that mm-hmm. brand. Yeah, totally. Too. Well, her her model was, and sorry, Tati, if you're seeing this, to love you, Tati, <laughs> love you, idea, Tati. to blow up your idea um, and blow the surprise if I end up doing it. it. Was like a membership model where people could just oh. roll in and just you know set appointments and come in and use all your stuff, and you don't have to be there. Because I was like, dude, I'm not trying to like trade hours for dollars anymore. I'm mm. I'm headed toward passive income island, you know? <laughs> Literally. <laughs> so <laughs> like, yeah, I've done the hours for dollars thing for 47 years. I'm out. Yeah. Um, but I actually would consider that when I get a separate building, you know, so people don't have to come. I don't like want, oh, hey, I listen to your podcast. Can I come in your house? That's it's what like, I was thinking. I don't, yeah, like, I don't know about the energy. But when I have a dedicated little biohacking lab slash podcast studio and people don't have to come through the house, I would probably do that. Mm-hmm. Like, you yeah, know, that's a great idea. Yeah, let people come in and use all this stuff because you can only do so much yourself at mm-hmm. the end of the day, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's great for content. It's fun, especially like first time users. Like, mm-hmm. I walked a guy in my my office man cave podcast studio the other day, and he didn't know what I was going to do, but I activated this certain device, which I'll probably do to you guys too, because it's funny <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> but I turned on this joke? one thing and he was like, ah! <laughs> totally freaked him out. You know, so it's fun when people haven't done stuff like that. I can't wait That's to see it. And especially because the, the, the subjective like state that some of these things put you in, like the amp coil, that blue light mm-hmm. thing over there. I mean, that thing is so insanely powerful. You could bring someone in here in the middle of a nervous breakdown, I'm not even kidding, and put that coil on them for about 30 minutes and they'll just be like, wait, what was the problem? I'm good. Really? Oh yeah, it's insane. It's a biofeedback uh, device. It's cool. it's insanity. So it's actually really fun to yeah. have some come in and I'm like, all right, how do you feel? What are your yeah. ailments? You know, it's like being a healer a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it is. It's, and I think I, I enjoy that because I've suffered a lot so i like alleviating suffering for other people mm-hmm. you know whether yeah. it's psychic emotional spiritual or physical like the that. lasers you guys tried mm-hmm. out like when someone comes over i'm like tomorrow right, when i have no I'm zit like, i'm gonna say yeah. i'm like what hurts <laughs> oh my elbow i'm like all right i got you you know Aww, i love that stuff. yeah i love fun. that it's fun i can't wait to go see the office i know <laughs> We gotta it's go. Pretty cool. Follow us into the office. <laughs> we will. I'll keep the. I'll keep yes. the live on. Yeah, we'll do a little tour. Okay. Well, we're so can, we're, this is Luke's Story Week. Yeah. We hope gonna, everyone enjoyed the it. first one on Tuesday, and then this is Thursday's episode in, oh, January, really? in January. Yeah. It's oh, Luke's Story awesome. Week. So we got the full continuity That's of our combo. So cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where can people connect with you? 
People can them. find me at the Lifestylist podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my main jam, as we've discussed. And uh, and then everything. I do a lot of video content too, and all mm-hmm. that's on my site, uh, lukestory.com and on YouTube. But I think to get the most real day-to-day stuff, I'm super avid user of Instagram right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. As you know, we're doing Instagram Live, and I do tons of stories. So anytime I find myself doing something, not just like, hey, look at this plate of spaghetti, but... <laughs> if I'm doing something that I think someone could learn from, yeah. then I'll always post it. Mm-hmm. Or things that are just so, God, see, I almost used the R word. Don't want to use spastic. Mm-hmm. Don't want to use retarded. Silly, <laughs> yeah. Silly, silly is like too, I'm like, I'm Isn't a dude. Isn't it so I'm vanilla? Like, oh my God, I'm so silly. <laughs> I'm so silly right now. No, not silly. Just anytime I'm doing something entertaining. Yeah, you know, or just douchey. Yeah, anytime I'm doing something super geeky and douchey. It's cool that no one gets um, offended by douche, though. I know, I completely... I was actually uh, thinking when you said douche, that. I was like, do people get offended by douche? I have not heard anyone be offended by that. Because it's not... I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll find out. <laughs> I'm uh, sure we'll get an email. Yeah. The, a <laughs> um, uh, point of the story was I I think I'm a decent follow on Instagram, which is at Luke's story. Agree. Yeah, you are. I, you I put out a lot, of, a decent, a lot decent of fun follow. information. He's a decent yeah. <laughs> You know, the thing that sucks though with the stories is they I'll do really valuable content on there that's really meaningful sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then it goes away. So what I'm starting to do, I started a oh. Facebook group for mm-hmm. my podcast listeners. It's Love like that. a private group, right? So now I'm when I can remember instead of just losing something to a story, I'll save it and then post it in the Facebook group. If it's great like, hey, idea, here's how you work an ionic foot bath, and here's a hack, and here's where you buy one for cheap and get a good mm. deal, and like here's where you get the salt, and this is why you do it, and make sure you use distilled water. You're going to get a false read, like that kind of stuff is really cool for people to be able to get I access love that. to totally. without having to you know like pay for it. I love that. Yeah, it's fun. That's well, genius. We got to join that group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. I just started like a week ago. Yeah. It's our like, favorite thing about thing our is podcast. though, is like I get you guys have a Facebook group? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm gonna look at yours mm-hmm. for yep. pointers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's amazing. The thing is I get like all these direct messages on Instagram and then like I have two other Facebook pages and it's just like every once in a while I tweet and it's like, ah God, I just want a place where everyone can like ask questions and share feedback and also share cool things that they're yep. finding. And then if I answer a question, then everyone can see everyone it there. Everyone sees it. Yep. Or I just stack up yep. a bunch of questions and do a Facebook Live for the group, you know. Yeah. But already like in my group, it's cool. People have started to contribute things like, oh, I found these great light bulbs over here. And, mm, you know, other people are putting great. cool links because we're all kind of on the same page mm. and have the same goals in mind. So yeah, I'm looking forward to kind of growing that. Yeah, I, love I want that. to look we at yours. So, That's we learned cool. so much from our group. Oh they're the best. my gosh. They just, it, they're so sweet. Like they just, they people are each like, other. you know, uh, say something cool. like I'm struggling with this and they write these paragraphs, just really? the sweetest things to one another. They're like, I'm doing this. I'll help you. I got you. Like I live here. Do you guys live here? Like I'm moving. Everyone is so sweet. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. It's, a, it's amazing. It's incredible. I'm like, that's awesome. But we make sure to be really available in that. Yeah, that's we're like on our it place all the to, time. That's, that's our are? touch point. Yeah, that's, that's our touch cool. point for so people. So that's the thing you don't blow people off on. Mm-hmm. Correct. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't blow people do off mo- on anything. Do you have moderators? We we moderate ourselves, but now since we're going to, yeah. like I think once we reach a point, we might have moderators, but our girls are so good. No one oh, says cool. anything like, Everyone's great. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Someone volunteered to moderate. Oh, great. They're like, hey, I know you just started, but people are going to like troll you and try and sell stuff and do weird shit on here. Do you want me to help police? I'm like, yeah, please. Yeah, literally. He listens to the show. I think he knows what 
what I want to see and not see. And then it's him, not you. You know what I mean? You could be like, oh, moderator did <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Like delete something weird. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we totally. did something recently with like, if you want to promote something that you're doing, like yeah. we have a thread for that. Yeah. You know, oh, and that's it's, cool. And it's, it's a weekly not thread. like, yeah, it's, you can post if you that's have a good like idea. a program or whatever yeah. it is. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, I'm going to have to check yours out and mm-hmm. join it. Yeah. That's awesome. We welcome you. you with open arms. <laughs> Great. All right. Well, well we this love is you. the best. This is so fun. I'm going to go stand naked in front of the Juve. Jo- you can do it. Uh-huh. I'm joking. I'm not the room has a time. door. It's okay. <laughs> I can't wait to see the rest no, of your No, it's house. funny. I had a, uh, a listener hit me up on Instagram mm-hmm. and asking me some questions. Oh, about Kundalini Yoga. I was like, yeah, I'm going to this workshop. Mm-hmm. And he was like sick. And he came to the workshop. We hit it off. And then I think it was the next day he came over. He wanted to try some of this stuff. Love and that. then I brought him into the Juve. I was like, cool, man. So. So like, cool. So just take off your clothes. <laughs> just stand there <laughs> naked for 10 minutes on both sides. He's like, okay. And I was like, yeah. And then here's the sauna. And he's like, I'm good. <laughs> he's like, no, I'm cool in the sauna. <laughs> I'm like, bro, the door's closed. You know, you're fine. You're yeah. like, is he going to kill me? <laughs> funny. I just forget this stuff. You know, it's I know. normal to yeah. me. I'm like, what? Well, yeah, so whatever. Just shut yeah. the door. Get naked. That works best that way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. So follow Luke on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Listen to his podcast. I think people are, I mean, when I first started listening, it was one of those podcasts that I was listening to for like two or three weeks straight because, because you want, yeah, it was like you wanted more and more. Cool. Um, Yeah. You're so thorough and insightful. And I love that you're kind of on the journey, Mm -hmm. like with your listeners too. Yeah. 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 You know, that's, I'm really glad that you noticed that Mm -hmm. because that was like halfway that sort of position of being like, hey, we're in this together. We're both discovering rather than like, yeah. I've arrived, you guys. Yeah. I'm going to tell you how it is about mm-hmm. health and how to be spiritual. It's just, yeah. I think that didn't happen. Well, it didn't happen because I have a little self-awareness hopefully at this point, but it also didn't happen because I was, I felt like such an imposter <laughs> in the yeah. beginning that yeah. like I already started out like, hey, I'm kind of experimenting with some stuff, checking stuff out. Do you guys want to hop in the car and go on this journey mm-hmm. with me? So I think that's the best. It was cool. Yeah. It's It served me in many ways because I think that's a lot of the appeal, uh, the feedback I get from people. Is they're like, yeah, you're like real. You're not some dick trying to tell us how to live our life. Like you literally walk the walk and you try everything mm-hmm. that you talk about and you know, you're, you're there with us. You're always than, so interested. Rather than, yeah, I'm like, I'm super passionate. Mm-hmm. When I interview people, I'm not feigning curiosity. Like yeah. I'm obsessed with that person's teaching or discovery. And so I have this childlike curiosity because I want to learn like along with the audience. So totally. thank you for noticing. Yeah, absolutely. We love you. We love you. Thank you for coming Likewise, on. Again. For sure. Yeah. Ah! Thanks ladies. <laughs> love you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>